and welcome back to another Sea Red UK podcast. I'm Matt, and as usual, I'm joined by Neil. And tonight we're joined by another uh, guest that I'll get to in a minute. Apologies for my croaky voice. Uh, it's not Corona. It's just bad weather. I think. Uh, how are we doing, Neil? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, sound a bit better than you, anyway. Yeah, uh, like I say, I've done a test. It's not Corona. It's just the fact that one minute is five degrees and the next it's 30 degrees. So, <laughs> uh, And like I say, we have got um, a guest with us tonight, another member of our UK community. Also got a couple of interesting stories, which we'll get into with him. And that is Gav or Gavin Naylor. How are we doing, Gav? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. Yeah, how are yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, obviously we'll get into it in a bit, but you can go by, obviously, Gav, Gavin, Mr. Naylor, Coach Naylor. Yeah, as usual, I'll start with any latest Bulls news. Uh, not that there is any. Uh, last recording was last Thursday, and since then, uh, well, that night, Goran Dragic played for Serbia at Slovenia even, in a win over Estonia, 104-83, dropped 19 points and six assists. Uh, that's about as much as the news gets, to be fair. <laughs> over the weekend, we did see Kobe and Damar taking part in the CP3 workouts in LA. Obviously, plenty of video from that um, shared on all the socials, as usual. And another video of Damar in the boxing ring, working out. I say he's prepping for Grayson Allen next year, but <laughs> I'm sure it's just a way of keeping his cardio up. I don't know if either of you two have got any anything on them, that bit of news. No, not really. I'm I'm all behind DeMar taking on Grayson Allen anyway. I'm sure I'm not the only one as well. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't actually need any practice, but... No. <laughs> I mean, I did watch the a bit of the Estonia um, Slovenia game, and look looking at him, that's a good. That's a Estonia are a good defensive team, so it'd be quite interesting to see if he can actually transfer that to the Bulls this year. Yeah, I mean, we've seen. I mean, he's been pretty solid with his sort of around about nineteen, twenty points. I think. I think did he get up to twenty eight at one point? Um, he seems in his element when he's playing for Slovenia, doesn't he? Which if he comes yeah. in with that sort of confidence to Bulls, then it's going to be a good thing for us. Yeah, and I think especially, I mean, I, obviously I watch a lot of European basketball and the, the European game, I think, gets a bit of a bad rap. It's actually a higher standard than what most people think. So if he comes in with that form, it could be exciting time. Yeah, and obviously playing alongside Luca probably makes it easy for him, like. But I think I'd look good playing next to Luca. <laughs> yeah, so I saw some of the highlights of Luca, and what he was doing was just unreal. Some of the yeah. no look passes, and yeah, it's we can we can only dream, I suppose, of having a player like that one day. That would be nice. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, obviously. Getting back to you, Gav, as you just alluded to, you watch a lot of European basketball and you're obviously a, a PE teacher and an under-16 male Team GB coach. Yeah, I've worked I've worked on the GB programme now since uh, 2016. So I've flitted between different age groups. Um, under, I was with the under-16s this year. 
done under twenties. I've also worked with the the actual main senior men's team. So I've been I've been around I've been around a bit, and I coach on a professional team in the UK as well. So I've been around a bit. Yeah, so you're pretty uh, pretty clued up on the European game. Yeah, I like to, I like to think so. I like to think so, but there's always curveballs that come out now and again. <laughs> yeah, um, you've just been away. Was it Serbia and Bulgaria with the under 16s Yeah, we had our um, European Championships this year, so we initially went over to Serbia. Um, we stayed at uh, the team we stayed with is FMP Belgrade, which are the feeder team to Red Star, who are obviously a really big European powerhouse so yeah. it was quite nice sort of training to there and then we took the long five hour bus journey over to Sofia in Bulgaria for the championships and how did it go? <sighs> uh, we, we were expecting better to be honest overall we, we finished with a re- winning record which is always always the main thing but we finished 10th overall I just think with a bit more prep uh sort of more investment into it we could have finished a lot higher uh, what sort of ages are they then I know it says under 16s but I mean, my lad play or did play ice hockey and they're sort of in two year sort of windows so like 14, it's, 15, 16 sort of yeah it's kind of it works on a basis if if you're good enough you're old enough um, and you continually see those players that play in our tournament um, that previously with with the under 18 teams and even the under 20s because they yeah, all right. run at different times so there's we had we did go all with uh basically 16 year olds apart from one lad who was playing a year sort of a year up so to speak so it it's an experience for them um it's definitely an experience for sort of myself being in that environment which is just a continual learning process yeah uh Obviously, you like to say you've been around it for what was it now six years? Six years, seven years. Yeah, yeah. Um, has do you feel that the, the British games improved in that time? So, some aspects have got absolutely sky high, um, like the hype around social media, like the interactions you see online on TikTok, Instagram is absolutely outstanding. I think this sort of generation that we've got at the moment, the under 16s, is probably going to be a really strong generation. We've got a couple of um, sort of high level players. Um, obviously, the uh, Jerry Sochin, obviously, although there is a, a long story why he's not representing Great Britain, he obviously played in the UK before going out to college. He's obviously just been drafted. There's a couple of good um, young prospects actually out in the States at the moment. One, um, Cameron Hildreth, who's over at Wake Forest, which is obviously Tim Duncan's old school. Yeah. So th- there's a few big names that potentially be coming through, a few big names. The future is really, really bright. I just think with a bit more investment, then that could really push on. Yeah. How, how does a path normally look then for... I mean, obviously, it's a long time since we've had a proper British star in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, my sort of knowledge is more ice hockey than basketball in terms of grassroots and yeah, how they get to America, essentially. Um, you know, I know that they have to, they tend to have to go off to 
high school, college, whatever it is. I hope they get some sort of a scholarship and then that puts them in line for the draft. But then yep. if they don't make it that far, they tend to go into Europe to higher standard of league, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, Europe Europe is a really good option now. We're finding, especially when you look at sort of players that have gone into the NBA that have come from Europe, Luca obviously being the main one, he obviously ripped up the Euro League in his rookie season at Madrid and then he's come into the NBA and taken that by storm. And I think if he if he'd been at in uh college in the States he'd been number one in the draft without yeah. doubt. Yeah, and obviously I mean we've got our own European prospect in Marco. Um Yep. You know, obviously he's had to go across to America and learn the game, hasn't he? Do you know what I mean? Like learn the American way, obviously yeah. even the lang- down to the language, I guess. So it must be pretty difficult for these GB lads to go to places like Spain. Even is there, there's some in the the main team that are in like Israel and Japan in there as well. Yeah, the, the the worst thing I think that's happened for uh, British basketball is Brexit, um, because now obviously they don't have the luxury of being classed as a European player. So they are now, if they go to somewhere in Spain or France or Germany, they are now competing with American guys because there's obviously quotas on each league. Their class is the same as a non-European. So yeah. it's it's negative probably in the sense that they're not playing with the high-quality players, but it's good for the uh, BBL here because quite a lot of the guys now are coming, coming back, especially uh, with the extra funding that's been put in place at London Lions. Yeah, they've got almost it seems like an unlimited checkbook. So yeah, plays plays like Ovi Soko, um, he's gone back there, but also ex NBA players like Sam Decker, he signed there as well. So it's it's getting good. Um, it's getting good with potential. I know London Lions. Their ideal long term is when the NBA finally do do a franchise out of America, they're going to be in prime position to go for it. Yeah, that would be uh, probably a long way off, but it'd be pretty awesome to have regular NBA games over here. It's certainly changed people's level of fandom. I'm guessing. Oh, it'd be yeah, not have to try and get tickets to go to Paris for one game with thousands of other people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you said as well that you're um, a, a PE teacher. No. Yeah. I don't know what it's like now because I mean I left school twenty years ago, but PE when I was at school it was if you took it as it well I don't know GCSE you kind of become an expert in one sport that you had to play and then as through education you learn the the science side of it for the personal training it's whatever I didn't take it at school so like I said that, it's just going off what I knew at the time so. Obviously, bringing it back to basketball, does your school have a basketball team? They they do since I've been there. I've been there. I'm going into my third year at this school now. Um, I've been really lucky. The, the head teacher there has been really supportive and has basically said, if I want it and I can justify why I need it, he's basically, I could buy it. So I've, yeah. got, I've got brilliant kits. I've got the best type of, sort of basketballs that you can buy. I put so much sort of time into it as well. So we run clubs after school every day. 
when I started, I think I had about four kids come along to an after school session. I'm now probably turning kids away because I've got 30, 40 in one sports hall. So it's, it is good. It shows there is the appetite for the sport in the schools. It's just having the people with the knowledge and the skill set to actually run it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm sure it was the same when you were younger and even now, everything that was shoved down your throat in terms of PE slash sport, whatever at school was football or if we've got yeah. any Americans listening soccer. Um, <laughs> and I know Neil likes to call it soccer as well. So that's for you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that that's a problem with the sort of growth and development of basketball within the UK? Do you know, like, Obviously, it essentially all comes down to money and funding, I'm guessing. And obviously, there's a lot more money within, well, the Premier League and football in general. Um, you know, like I say, again, my knowledge is of ice hockey and that's, again, a minority sport within the UK. And as a parent, it costs an absolute fortune to put your kid through it. I know basketball is probably a bit cheaper. But like when I was at school... I don't even think we had a basketball court at school. I don't know if the school's got one now. Um, because essentially the PE teachers would just, they were there to stand on the field and watch, make sure nobody got injured, really. Um, <laughs> you know, like I said, I don't know how much that's changed in the last 20 years. And it, like you say, you do need somebody with that expertise, I'm guessing, in within the sport to be able to promote the sport. I think what's what's tended to happen now with with school sport, it basically goes on what specialism that teacher's actually got at the school. Um, there's some schools that football's probably a less of a sport actually organisational in the school because the PE teacher might be a rugby guy or he might be a cricket guy. So it all right. goes down to what the teachers actually want to do. Obviously, we have a curriculum that we need to follow in lesson. But any after-school clubs is down to the teacher's choice what they do. So, I mean, I do now. I do so much basketball. Um, we're lucky this summer. Um, our head once again he has been really sportive. He's actually putting in outside basketball courts so the kids can actually play at break and lunch times, yeah. which is a which is a massive thing. But the biggest, I mean, the biggest thing I think in the UK with um, participation numbers of the kids is the cost. You're looking at for a for a basketball court in the UK, sixty pound an hour, which it it's it's crazy money. It's crazy money. So that's why it's a lot easier for a kid to get football and just go and kick around on a grass pitch anyway. Yeah. But sixty pound an hour kind of puts it kind of almost makes it a little bit elitist because mm. of that sort of the money that it sort of costs. Um, and for example. Like I say, I, I coach in the National League, but even our, our club, we have junior teams. We're paying for one referee because they're not sort of that common. We can pay eighty, ninety pounds for a referee with his travel costs. And yeah. obviously you you have to have two referees per game in the UK. So that potentially could be two hundred pounds for just for officials for the game. Then you've got a court height for at least two hours table officials before you know it it's 400 pound just to play one game yeah. which it, it, it stop it stops the kind of sort of the mass participation but what i've seen in london 
it's basketball is now rivaling uh, football in City because there's obviously they don't have the grass pitches. But you, if you notice, you go around all the um, housing estates and everything. They have the like the multi-sport pitches, and all the kids are just playing basketball. It's yeah, it's get it's getting there, but it's getting that from the streets to actually organised basketball to then funnel them through the the pathways that are in place to then get the kids over to the states. That's that's the difficult part. Yeah, I mean it's like round mine. It again, it's like you say the multi-sport sort of park areas um, you know like it's a concrete yard basically with five side goals on with a basketball net above them yeah and I don't live in a particularly rough area some might think it is but um, you know it's full of glass and drug paraphernalia and yeah. it's not not somewhere I want to my kids to to go Um you know, we have got obviously the leisure centre, but again, you have to kind of pay to go in there. And you think, well, I just want to throw a ball in the hoop. Do you know what I mean? That that's yeah. it. It's, it's I don't want to have to pay to do it because I can go on the grass and kick a ball in a goal for free. So, it yeah. I mean, like I say again, I don't want to keep going back to it, but with ice hockey, it's probably even more expensive than basketball because of the cost of hiring the rink out and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's just no. I mean, my son's just decided he doesn't want to play for the second time now which personally I'm quite glad about because of the cost it was going to be it was just ridiculous and I actually said to the team manager at the time do you not want people to participate in ice hockey do you know what I mean there's no incentive there because it's a massive time commitment and a massive financial commitment and it's obviously a minority sport as it is within the UK there's just no I mean, obviously, like you say, basketball is in certain areas starting to compete now with football. But, you know, especially up my way, it's just all football. Well, a bit of rugby league, been in Hull. There's two professional rugby league teams. So grassroots rugby is quite big around my area. Um, but again, football takes over. I could, you know, there's a couple of... I don't even think the clusters amateur teams, basketball teams on my way. Um, you know, and they've just put a kids' summer camp on, which fair play to them. And I think it was about three quid a day to go to. So, but it was all university students that were doing the coaching. And I know from when I was growing up, I attended different football camps and stuff like that. And you wanted the professionals down and you wanted the, the names down. Do you know what I mean? To, you wanted your photo with them and stuff like that. And it just, it feels like there's not that part of it within the minority sports because, again, the cost, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm lucky. I mean, the club, I coach on a programme called uh, the Essex Rebels. So we've got a professional men's team and a professional women's team. And we're linked to University of Essex. But the difficulty we have like you say, with, say, summer camps and the professional players, end of the season comes, they scatter because they're not from around the local yeah. area. We we had, um, luckily, um, and this is one thing I'm quite, sort of, we're quite proud of as a programme, we're based on, we, we try and base our programme on British players. So we do have, yeah. I think we only had, we had one American last year, the rest were British players. 
Um, but it is, it's just, it's keeping the players around, um, to do things like that. I think we had our summer camp this year was run by about four or five of our, uh, mix between the men's and women's, which is not a bad amount. But during the year that we, we go into primary schools and we do coaching sessions in primary schools just to try and get that sort of engagement early on and then try and get them to come along to a game and actually see what it's actually like rather than because I think if you don't know the game it's it's hard just to say right let's go and watch a basketball game because why would you You go let's go and watch football this if you had nothing to do with basketball you go right we'll go and watch Hull play football because that's what you know that's what you grew up with so it's just trying to spread the word and I think we're getting there we're getting there but it's just with with it not being on TV it's it kind of it makes it a bit harder yeah absolutely right I think with that, we'll um, bring it back to Bulls and I'll uh, <clears throat> kick it over to Neil to, to do that. Yeah, that's, that's all very uh, very interesting stuff, actually, Gav. You know, it's great to get an insight of uh, of how it all works, like, you know, as Matt says, at the grassroots level and everything. But um, yep. in, in regards to Bulls, you, you kind of touched on there earlier on that you have had um, interactions with the senior teams and with the likes of Ben Gordon. Um, yep. and, and a little bird told me that you might have a, a, an interesting story uh, about Ben Gordon. Is there anything uh, you can share with us? Yeah, so I first come across Ben um, on a professional capacity in 2016 um, in the preparations for Eurobasket. And I couldn't talk to him for two days. <laughs> I, I was meant to be coaching the guy and working with the guy. I, two days passed, I could not speak to him. Um uh, which all the other coaches found absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, the head coach at the time was uh, Joe Prunty. So he's obviously coaching the NBA, um, Milwaukee Bucks, been around been around a little bit. So in the end, he virtually dragged me over and just spoke to him. And Ben was an absolute nice guy. He obviously took the mick a little bit. That obviously <laughs> I didn't speak to him, um, but he told me, like I've got Ben Gordon jerseys. He was like, get get them over to camp, I'll sign them. He's been absolutely fantastic. And then the the thing that made me sort of think, actually, he is a really nice guy. We we come back from practice one day, and we were unloading the coach, getting all the balls out, the physio equipment, and out all the players. They all walked past. He was the one player that stopped and asked, did anyone need a hand carrying? anything and I just stood there and thought this guy how much money he's actually earned in his career yeah. stopping to ask if anyone wants a hand carrying some basketballs or a physio mm-hmm. table it, it it was just absolutely like bizarre to me and like he's he's got swapped contact details with him and he's like if I'm ever in Chicago just give him a shout he'll get me tickets oh wow like that. he's just an absolute genuinely nice guy and it was just so, just such a big iron of working with someone that plays at that level. And even though when he come finally played for GB, it's kind of the end of his career, but he was still absolutely phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal player. Yeah. But he couldn't believe that he wasn't allowed to wear NBA socks in Europe. <laughs> he just, so he had to go and buy him some socks. Okay. <laughs> he, he must have been offended for the first couple of days thinking you were avoiding him. Yeah, probably probably was. He's like, why is this guy just not talking to me? And it was. It was just. I, I, it was the only time I've ever been really starstruck. Because obviously, 
growing up as a massive Bulls fan. Ben Gordon was a phenomenal player. Oh he yeah, was, he was. He was the. Oh, I just can speak to the guy. It was. It, I went proper fangirl. It was. It was. <laughs> it was. It was probably the most cringing thing you could ever actually watch. I think was me around Ben. <laughs> That's brilliant. The call with Tim Sinclair is brought to you by Stump, the new app for iOS and Android that allows anyone to create an instant social podcast. Whether by yourself or with friends, Stump lets you connect, record, and instantly share your conversations with the world. Talk about anything with anyone and share it with everyone. It's the social network solely for audio. Download the free app from the App Store or Google Play. Or learn more at GetStump.com. Stump, your voice has a place. Uh, Now we're... Now we're back on Bulls. We'll um, follow our usual sort of format and <clears throat> we're going to give our sort of hopes and predictions on Ayo Dasumu moving into next year. Um, obviously, last year was his rookie year, probably classed as a steal of the draft. Um, probably got a lot more game time than anybody was expecting. I think a lot of people were expecting him to have to drop down to the G League for any minutes. But he ended up playing 77 games with 40 starts. And he just... Obviously, we've spoke about him before in a previous episode on Stump. And he was, out of AK's draft picks, that we had him as the highest sort of with potential and stuff like that. Now, I'm not comparing him to D-Rose, but obviously he's got a lot of... D Rose vibes about him with the, the fact that obviously being from Chicago doesn't really matter what he does I think the Bulls fans are going to love him and obviously we definitely do so I'll pass it over to you first Gav for your sort of take on IO and basically what you hope or predict in terms of like minutes and general yeah. sort of where he goes I mean I've and no one was expecting what he sort of the season he had. I don't think. Um, I mean, looking forward to next year. I mean, he played a lot of minutes last year. I think he averaged just over twenty-seven minutes a game. And for a second-round pick, that that's a good set of minutes. I I can't see him playing that amount of minutes moving forward for this season anyway. Purely if we don't have the injury issues that we had. You the likes, obviously, Ball and Caruso, hoping we'd obviously eat into their minutes a bit. But what I would like to see is his actual production numbers go up. So maybe potentially playing less minutes, but getting those numbers up. I mean, he 3.3 assists. I think he's capable, obviously, probably a bit more than that. And also I'd like to see him sort of edge towards the 10, 11 points a game. Just sort of less minutes, I think, is a realistic thing for him next year as long as there's no injury worries but I'd like to see his production numbers go up because he he is a phenomenal talent that I think is going to be the future of the Bulls for a good few years yeah absolutely and obviously what he does on the defensive end as well was key and I think that's probably what got him his minutes last year was we needed him after, with yeah. Lonzo going down we, we needed him and he stepped up and obviously he's admitted himself that 
after the All-Star break, it kind of died off a little bit and so he didn't say it in as many words, but hit the rookie wall. Um, and he's obviously worked on that through the summer. He's put on is it five pound of muscle, what he said, but I don't think he's got any body fat on him whatsoever. So, yeah, I'll hand it to you, Neil. What you know? What's your take on him? Yeah, well, you know, like like we've said, we've talked about him in the past. I mean, I just love this guy. <laughs> I just think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, his attitude is top notch. It's, I mean, you don't need to be told he's from Chicago to know he's from Chicago just by his attitude. I think. Um, he he is just everything that Bulls fans love about a basketball player. Um, he, he's only going to improve. You can see the work he's put in in the off season. Uh, I do agree with you. I think his minutes are naturally going to go down unless there's more injury woes. I mean, that's what opened the door for him to get the minutes. But at the same time, he created a problem for Billy Donovan by playing as well as he did. You know, it, it got to a point where where Billy had to play him, and and I think that that's not going to change drastically. He's still going to create this issue, which is a, a positive issue, of course. But this issue where um, Billy's going to have to give him minutes because he's he simply makes that big of an impact already on the team. Yeah, and obviously made was it the uh, all rookie second team last yeah. year. So essentially, he's a top ten, or it was judged to be a top ten rookie last year. After being the 38th pick, you know, he's jumped above possibly what, well, definitely 28, possibly more than that, depending where they actually judged him. He could have been the sixth choice, whatever. Um, and obviously he says he's using that as his incentive, isn't he? He's, he says there's 38 or 37 other teams that picked above him. Obviously that's not quite right because some had two picks and stuff like that. But yeah. essentially everybody did pass on him and, that's his incentive moving forward to to improve his game. And I know you've just listened to it today, Neil, the, the interview that he did with, um, was it Waddle and... Waddle and Sylvie. Yeah. Yeah. And he speaks very well in that. And he, he seems quite humble as well. Very much so. Yeah, very much so. Very grounded guy. Um, but at the same time, he expects a lot of himself and he, he pushes himself in order to, to reach the, the high standards he sets for himself, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And as with a lot of NBA players, he seems to have a good circle around him with his family mm-hmm. in particular. I think his dad was a, was one of his coaches growing up. Um, And obviously he mentioned in that interview that his mum sends him and his siblings like motivational messages or however he worded it. Yeah. You know, it's just, obviously when we had Tim Sinclair on and, you know, he watched him come through college and or university with Illinois and he, he mentioned about his family then and, you know, he's born in Chicago, went to school, university, college, whatever in, within the state and now he's playing for the state basketball team. He's, that's what I mean with the, the D Rose sort of vibes off him. Yeah. What he wants to do it for Chicago, you know, and yeah, I think he's going to be the future of this organization for a good few years. Obviously he should be getting paid at the end of next year, which, mm-hmm. you know, nobody's going to fault him for that. 
and we've just got to hope it's bulls that do pay him. Yeah. You know, I think if, if they don't pay him, I think there'll be an absolute uproar. Sort of, like yeah. you say, the best sort of Chicago talent that's come through since D Rose. Yeah. If we don't pay, if we don't pay him, the Reinsdorfs have have kept saying they're happy to be a, a, a sort of luxury tax team if we're competing. But if they let someone like I, Io go, then I think the fans will riot in the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so they should. <laughs> would you see him as a as a sixth man for Bulls, or is that AC's role? Do you reckon? I know obviously it doesn't really make that much of a difference, but in terms of trying to get that sixth man of the year, you know, is, would he? Would you consider him in that kind of bracket within sort of a short time? I think a lot goes on. What's going to happen with Lonzo and his knee? I mean, for me, if if Ball's not playing, Caruso has to start. If that's the case, then Io is going to be the sixth man off the bench and he, he should be in that conversation he's got the ability and the potential and definitely the upside to be around that conversation at the end of the season yeah and what, what do you think Neil do you reckon he's in that could be in that bracket yeah I think what Gav says there is is absolutely on the money um, as with so many of our conversations during this off season a lot of it hinges on on Lonzo's uh, knee and Lonzo's health in particular but health in general uh, for the for the team, um, if if it's a thing we have more injury woes like we had last season, then that pushes Io maybe up into the into the starting five, and then he's out of the conversation for his sixth man for a different reason. But um, if it's a thing, he ends up floating as the first first player coming off that bench. Absolutely, why not? Would he? Why why wouldn't he be considered for the conversation? If if he plays anything like he did last year, he should certainly be uh, be part of that conversation all yeah. the time. Yeah, so I think. It's safe to say we're all pretty excited by him. I think we're all on the same thing that he's possibly going to lose minutes depending on, obviously, Lonzo's health. But in the meantime, that should hopefully bring an uprise in his production. And you know, we're all pretty certain that he's going to be the future of the, this Bulls organisation. So, yeah, I think that's, that's enough on IO for now. And... I'll pass it back to Neil for your GB-linked player profile. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, unfortunately, Gav, I, I've already done Ben Gordon on my player profile uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago. So, um, I've gone for the, the next GB connection to the Bulls that we have, which is uh, Luol Deng. Yes. I don't man. know if you had any kind of an interaction with him at all, but... Um, I'll just give a quick, I don't, we always do this where I do a little bit of a profile on the player and then we have a little bit of a chat about him at the end. So uh, Luol Deng is a Sudanese-British um, uh, basketball player, played number nine for the Chicago Bulls um, and throughout his entire career, I believe. Uh, 37 years of age at the moment now, six foot nine forward, uh, went to Duke from 2003 to 2004. Number seven pick, which I know we like the number seven picks, but it wasn't actually a Bulls pick, technically. He was picked by Phoenix. Uh, then the night, of the, tra- uh, the night of their draft, he was traded to Chicago for a future pick and a player called Jackson Roman. If you haven't heard of him, uh, he only played two years in the league, so I can totally understand why. <laughs> um, and the future first pick was 21st. 
uh, which to me seems like a very strange thing for Phoenix to do, but their loss was our gain. Uh, 2004 to 14, he played for the Bulls. Uh, then he had a short stint for half a season with the Cavs in 2014 before he moved on to the Heat from 2014 to 16. Uh, then played 2016 to 18 with the Lakers, uh, which still makes me uh, very uncomfortable when I see him in the Lakers jersey. And then um, finished up his career from 2018 to 19 with the, with the Timberwolves. Averages with the Bulls were 14.8 points per game, 6.1 rebounds per game and 2.3 assists per game. Uh, was known as the glue guy, uh, the man from Sudan, and as uh, Stacy used to always like shouting out, Lieutenant Ding. Uh, okay, so what did he achieve? He uh, was one-time All-Defensive, uh, second team in two t- 2012, first-time All-Rookie in 2005. Uh, he won the NBA Sportsmanship Award in 2007, and two-time All-Star 2012-13, to 13, and also played for Team GB. So, uh, before I throw out any, any of my kind of bits and, and pieces and notes on him, um, I'm actually going to throw it straight over to you, Gav. Have you any stories or anecdotes about uh, Lowell Deng? Did you know him personally? Um, only, I've never worked with him through GB, only um, what he's done for basketball in um, England since kind of he's retired. So he's um, set up what's known as the Deng Camp Top 50, so every single year he um, gets the best 50 under um, 16 kids in the country and hosts a camp with the best coaches from Spain, America, and basically works with them to improve their own game. So he's done that now for three, four years. It's an absolutely amazing sort of program, and he's now actually spread that out to Australia and Sudan as well. That's so awesome. sort of come into contact with him in his um, sort of camp and he's the amount that he actually does for sort of basketball in the UK and obviously him being the president of the basketball federation in Sudan, he he's now focused on just grassroots improving. And I think the quote that he's um, released recently was he just wants to give back to the nations that gave him sort of a start in his career. So obviously that's why he's doing Den Camp here in um, Sudan, America, and he's also starting one in Australia. So it's he, he's the, the amount that he's done for grassroots is absolutely phenomenal and just shows what a nice guy he actually is. Yeah. Um, I remember actually when the, the Bulls uh, were playing the Jazz in the international game. Um, God, I can't remember what year it was now, but um, he was given the mic to introduce the game and to speak to the people that day. And he, he was just well-spoken and you could see he just really cared about the game of basketball and bringing it to to England and to the UK. Yeah, started off his career in um, Brixton. Oh, very um, good. So, and I know he keeps his circle tight. Um, so one of the people that, one of his um, closest, uh, a guy called Steve Beer, who now is a director of Sudan Basketball, director of all his camps. That's who he known through growing up in London. So he keeps his, his circle is very, very tight. Very, very tight. Yeah, and looks like he stays loyal and keeps it going within those, those circles. Yeah, exactly. Matt, have you anything about Luol Deng you wanted to uh, add to the mix? Yeah, I mean, going off what Gav's just been saying, he's just been presented with his OBE as well, hasn't he, from the Queen um, for his services to basketball. 
I think he was actually awarded it during COVID, but I was only just been able to receive it. Right. Um. So you know, obviously that's probably quite a big achievement for him. Um. I know pretty much a lot of people get OBEs and MBEs and stuff like that now, but for a, a basketball player to get one, I think it's quite a big, a big thing for him. Yeah, he's got um, to be the first one. He's got to be the first basketball player. I can't think of any anyone yeah. else that's got one. Yeah, yeah. So, and in terms of his NBA career, he's only just been finished getting paid by Lakers, hasn't he? Which I know you said it hurt to watch him play for him, but if he's been rinsing them for the last hour of me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm all for that anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, going back to his NBA career, you know, he he was never what he he was for us. You know, obviously being a, a UK bull, it was a big thing, and I always remember him being on the cover of can't remember what the game was called, it was NBA Live. Yeah. He was the UK cover mm. star for like two years in a row, I think. Um, you know, and it was a big, big thing for us as UK fans. You know, I've seen a lot going around on Twitter at the minute with NBA UK and other things where they're actually promoting him a little bit now. There's been a bit of artwork done for him, and so his legacy in terms of a UK player or a GB player, however you want to word it, is. He's still going and, you know, he's been retired however many years now. Mm. So I think it was a a league-wide, in, well, in terms of UK anyway, league an NBA-wide sort of love for him, not just a, a Bulls love for him. Mm-hmm. I yeah. kind of imagine that it would be the same with Jeremy so, so can so Chan, however you say his name. Yeah. M- MK's finest. Yeah, you know, we're, we're going to want him to do well because although he doesn't represent GB, he sounds like Neil, you know what I mean? So when he talks, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it, for us, the, the level of fandom with him is probably more just because of the, the GB links. Um, but turning it back to Bulls, if... P. Will turns into the sort of player he was, you'd be happy with it, wouldn't you? Well, I'd be more than happy if he <laughs> sort of done anything close to that. I think that'd be because he's, he's a bit shy, isn't he? P. Will's at the moment, it'd be good to come out and actually do something. Yeah. You know, and he was it was good on both ends as well, which we, that's kind of what we want P. Will in it now to be. You know, you, you could rely on him to get a couple of clutch buckets. And also come up with a big block or a rebound or whatever. And that's where we want P. Will to be. So hopefully we'll get a, another version of, of him through P. Will. But yeah, in terms of playing memories, as I always say with these, I, I can't remember anything. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching him at the 2012 Olympics and thinking, wow, Chicago guy playing for GB. That was my biggest playing memory for him. Yeah. So I think yeah, them days were before, they were before league pass, weren't they? So it was still a struggle trying to watch kind of any any NBA over here. Yeah, that, and that, that's why I struggle with the sort of playing memories is because even back then it was hard to 
to watch on a regular basis, not like it is now. So, mm. you know, it's YouTube videos and that, or highlights and that's it, really. I think, yeah. we're, we're, I think we are lucky now, actually. England's probably one of the best places to watch the NBA. We get the American guy that we had over here last year. He was he was amazed. He could actually watch more NBA games here than he could back home in the states because of the level of how good league pass is here. So yeah. that, that I suppose that that's something we've got to be grateful for at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I'll throw it back to you, Neil. I know you've probably got a bit more to say on him. Yeah, yeah, I've got a few a few bits um, to say. Nothing nothing massive. Um, l- like that, you know, I I don't find um, that Luol Deng has any massive big outstanding highlights that i that that stand out and jump out for me but he was just mr dependable like i mean he was just a dependable all-round fundamental player uh, he was a a solid defender like you said um well able to get blocks um a capable scorer could drive shoot from distance um and he was also a, a very underrated passer of the ball i mean he was very very good from the inside making the, the nice little um, slip passes uh, to a player cutting at the back. And I just, uh, just found him just a fundamentally great player. Um, the thing that does stand out for me, though, isn't necessarily his play. But I'm sure you remember this as well. You might be a bit hazy on it. But do you remember the, the mystery illness? He, um, he had a they, – they thought it was maybe meningitis. This was during um, – during the playoffs, and uh, he had a spinal tap that cleared him for meningitis, but it actually ended up leaking spinal fluid, and he ended up missing the rest of the playoffs. Um, I think it was 2013, maybe? 2000? Yeah, I think it was 2013. Um, Yeah, but, like, it was on the day of Game 6 of the first-round series against the Brooklyn Nets, um complications from it led to spinal fluid leaking into his body he lost 15 pounds and according to his own telling of the story it was actually kind of almost a life-threatening situation that he ended up dealing with and it was just so bizarre um thankfully he made a full recovery uh and actually got listed for a game against miami in the next round but didn't play um but i mean just he was so well respected by the organization and and that was signified then when they gave him the option to sign a one-day contract with the Bulls so that he could retire as a Bull after 15 years in the NBA, which I thought was a lovely touch by uh, by the organisation. Uh, a oh, real nod. Getting paid by Lakers. Getting paid by Lakers and <laughs> signing to the Bulls. What more can you ask for? <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, yeah, so that's that's my take on Luol Deng. Uh, absolute legend. Absolutely. And... Obviously, his work and his legacy is still living on and long may it continue. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, we'll wrap it up there and I'll throw it to you first, Gav, to sort of say your byes, any shout-outs you want. Yeah, no, just thank you for having me on. It's It's been an experience and thank you for you, you guys as well for what you've done, sort of Chicago Bulls fandom in the sort of UK, like, the conversations we have at two, three in the morning watching watching the games because we're literally sitting up by ourselves in our houses and just building this community that we can actually sort of share these moments like the Damar buzzer beaters with other oh. people. 
you know it's sort of <laughs> it, it it's an amazing sort of community that we've now sort of built and it's all down to you guys so thank you for that and thank you again for having me on yes no worries and obviously we're hoping that it continues to grow as a community and obviously we're all looking forward to the season coming back and I know we've we've been trying to get you on for a few weeks but you had your little trip to deal with first yeah and as we say to anyone you know you're always welcome back on um it's what this is for is to give our community a bit of a voice and one thing I will say to any of the community that are listening is we need to get some more northerners on because I'm (laughs) speaking to southerners now um but no as usual you know thanks for listening and thanks to you Gav for coming on and you can find us on all the socials at C Red UK Neil over to you yeah, thanks again for joining us, Gav. Uh, thanks for you, to you at home for joining us also. Please remember to subscribe, rate and review. And until next time, wherever you are in the world, see red, go Bulls. Percolator. It's time for the percolator. <laughs>